Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Brian is not here, but one of our absolute favorites is here. Alex Schiffer from The Athletic, the Nets beat reporter. Alex, a long-running tradition of where I can't get Brian, I go to you. I so appreciate you joining the show today. I was going to say, one of our favorites. Brian's the only one that really ever plugs my work, according to recent listens. And as you said, I'm kind of the uh, I'm kind of the adopted stepchild, like Cinderella, of this whole podcast. So one of our favorites is a questionable phrase, but it's good to see you too, Mike. Um, I'm so happy to be here. What an exciting night, because, uh, well, we're recording this in the morning after the draft. You were at the draft, is that correct? Correct. Just give people, what was the experience like? Because we, we haven't had an in-person draft of that level, right? And... In a, in a while yeah you know it uh it was my fourth draft total um first in person on the net speed obviously and uh, i i guess my only takeaway from the actual experience was that one i was kind of i kind of found it funny that knicks fans and some of the other fans there were cheering picks that woe shams had already reported were yeah. not going to their team i thought you know 21st century 2021 people would have been a little more on the ball there um, and I, I thought it would be a little bit of a bigger crowd. You know, I, I can't even really give you a rough estimate, honestly, because where I was sitting, you were kind of covered by seeing mo- the, the rest of the arena. But I, I thought it'd be a little bit of a bigger turnout just because, you know, there was a lot of hype around this draft. And even though the, the Nets and Knicks both made the playoffs, obviously there was still uh, there was still some intrigue and as to what they could do and, and did the Knicks trade up to the Nets trade up. So and there were some more New York natives, you know, James Bognet from UConn, uh, Sharif Cooper, I believe, is from Newark, New Jersey. So there was uh, Jonathan Kaminga play at St. Pat's, Kyrie's alma mater. So I thought there was a lot of local aspects, even without, even though both teams, both local teams, didn't have a uh, a lottery pick to where maybe it'd be a little more full. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was so. The draft, it, it is always silly that there isn't just like a Woj Shams ticker at the bottom. I mean, I get why ESPN's not putting Shams Sharania at the bottom of their ticker, but like how hard is it for Woj to just pipe in? I'm sure he does pipe into the producers and say, hey, uh, well, you you missed this, but when uh, Dayron Sharp got drafted by the Nets, Perk talked about Sharp and his fit on the Suns. And... The Shamit picket, the trade had happened like, you know, hours, Three hours before ago. that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even blaming Perk for that, though Perk said some like wild stuff. But like, I heard it, the, the Moses whole... Moody pronunciation was gold TV. <laughs> it was really good. And Richard Jefferson 
made fun of him, which is a good thing that they allow to happen on the broadcast. But I actually thought the draft itself, like if we're looking at the picks that were taken, was one of the most surprising drafts that we've had outside of the top three. Like the top three was who we thought. Suggs not going four was interesting. Giddy, what, going sixth was exciting. Mm. Kaminga, seven. Going like the even Warriors, the, yeah. Going to the Warriors where like there was rumors of that happening, but you know that was still kind of shocking for what you think that the Warriors are going to want to do. Um, they have a really nice young core along with now like, you know, a championship pedigree. Um, there was just, and then Primo pick, um, there very, was a, high. very high, very high. And I'll give a shout out to Matt Penny on. So Matt Penny's on the game theory podcast with Sam Vicini, our buddy. And I was remember listening to, I think it was like their mock draft that they did. And Penny put in primo as like the 20 not the 27th overall pick because that would have been the nets it was like right around that range end of the first round and vicini was like whoa that's kind of that's a that's a little aggressive for primo and he goes to the spurs at 12 and if you don't know who josh primo is i don't blame anyone because he was on an alabama team where he was like alabama yeah was just a main guy yeah um but exciting draft. I thought it was an, a really exciting draft. It was exciting from a Nets perspective because, you know, I think as uh, as pe- Nets observers, we're conditioned for Marks to have these draft picks. He trades them into the future. Uh, he trades, he couples a draft pick with a player to dump a salary or to get another veteran. Uh, this draft was wholly unique because he did take a veteran and then get a, a draft pick. And we were all expecting another move to be made. And it never got made. I want to ask you first, do you think Marx's intent was just to get that extra first round pick and to take be able to take whoever was there at the end of the first round, two, two chances? Or do you think that there was something else happening? Like, do you think that there was another possibility that Marx was contemplating, whether it was to trade up in the draft or whether it was to use these two picks these two guys that he just drafted later on in some type of move. Yeah. You know, it, I think what you talked about the surprise of the draft, I think what was the most interesting thing was, you know, as, as you kind of allude to, you look at some of the teams that had two picks. I mean, a lot of people thought there was going to be something that went down with the Warriors. Is there a, you know, there are two first and James Wiseman for, for some big name or, or, you know, big impact guy. The Knicks had two first round picks and they just kind of punted on them and, uh, and traded back for one of them and then trade the other one for a future and then, as you said, I mean, Landry Shamit gets traded around 5 o'clock Eastern time Thursday. You see them now have five total picks, two first-rounders, and you're kind of wondering, all right, well, is this about to be, you know, is it like this is the beginning of what's going to be a wild night just for the Nets? They have five picks. You know, there. I think there was a lot of speculation going around with the people I was talking to was, do they try and couple two first-round picks for DeAndre uh, with DeAndre Jordan for somebody but, you know, some of the other people I was talking to was, you know, who are you going to get back for that? And, um, you know, you're dealing two first round picks with DeAndre. I mean, that that's a lot to unload a guy like that when maybe you're better off holding on to him because it's only going to move the, the the books, so to speak, financially so much. So I I, I think the biggest surprise, especially after the Shama trade, was Art. They have five picks. There's no way they're using all five picks, and that's exactly what they did. Yeah, and the thing about the and I'll jump to the DeAndre trade because like that was the speculation, right? That they trade Shamit, 
I think JJ Reddick's coming. Like I, that's not reporting, but JJ mm-hmm. Reddick, everyone knows he lives in Brooklyn. He well, is we're not, in, neither of us are psychics, but I think that the tea leaves. Yes. Are, we could be wrong, but like, well, and and do, I don't think you get rid of. I mean, Landry Shamit wasn't like the key piece of this team, but he was a rotation piece that filled a role that any team wants, which is like a, a combo guard shooter. Not that he was a great shooter for the Nets, but that's a nice guy, and he played in the playoffs. Yeah, um, you know, um, talking to some scouts and agents throughout the um, throughout the draft, you know, people were, you know, I even some people were in my Twitter mentions of, you know, why trade Shamit for Javon Carter, who tough defensive guard, who good I three like, point yeah. shooter, but yeah, yeah, I, I covered him in college a bit, um, but you know, I think people have to realize with the state of this Nets roster, there's not a ton you can ask for because they only have so many young and up and coming players. Nick Claxton, they could probably have put in a deal and gotten something better, but. He's their best defensive player. He's still very young and scratching the surface of what he can be. Um, Reggie Perry's not going to have much of a market because he barely played. He has no market. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, you're nice. You're, you're yeah. I'm nicer than you. I love Reggie um, Perry, but yeah. No, and he may not be on this team, by the way, with five draft picks that just happened. I mean, like, because we're going to talk about roster construction. Yeah. It already, like, this team felt like they needed a lot of people. But then now when you look at it with five draft picks, maybe they really kind of don't have that many spaces, but yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you know, looking at all that, um, I, uh, Shamid's funny, you know, Landry kind of reminds me of, of Torian Prince who also got dealt last night in that they're both good enough. They're, they're known for their shooting quote unquote known, obviously Torian also, you know, didn't live up to expectations. I think Landry had a decent year, all things considered for the Nets, but, um, you know, they're good enough to be on an NBA roster and, and be on a team and play, but like, at the end of the day, they're also just good enough to be thrown into a trade, and that's kind of, you know they've both switched teams a lot in recent years. So, I uh, as you I said, Landry you know, and I thought Landry was going to pop this year in in a way of that like he would become sort of like a Spursian role player that we're used to seeing, like a Patty Mills type. I was like about I thought, to say that yeah. because be, because he was playing with you know when he got when he got dealt to this team, he was playing with Kyrie and KD, and then obviously Harden comes in later into the picture and i just thought like okay this is a guy who he was with he he was really good as a rookie he was shaky with the clippers but he was like off and on and he basically was off and on them with the nets and i thought well, mm-hmm. coming to the rest i was like he's just gonna have open threes and he's a yeah. shooter and he and, didn't and I, he just didn't convert the way you want him to exactly and i think that's part of the nets reasoning you could probably say is i mean look at joe harris who led the league in three-point shooting in his first year with the Nets having their big three and not all the three at the on the court at the same time due to injury. I think there's a lot of guys that could probably look at through analytics or film that say, well, we could take a shot at him and he's going to have the same looks and maybe he, you know, maybe he's cheaper. Maybe we don't have to worry about a long-term extension with him, et cetera. And kind of like JJ Redick, who you would figure is, is pegged for the vet, the veteran minimum. Um, if he were to come to Brooklyn, <laughs> he's, so, he's already outfitting, one of his cars for a black and white color scheme. You know, he's he's getting the paint job on the car. His, his son's phone, I don't know if he has a son, but if he has a son, his phone's background is the Brooklyn Nets. Like he mm. he is like if he's not a Brooklyn, like if he's not a Brooklyn Net, that is almost an indictment against JJ Reddick. Because yeah, like it is obvious like he JJ Reddick has publicly said multiple times he wants to be on the East Coast. He wants to play on the East Coast. Preferably um, the New York teams or Philly because his family's in Brooklyn. Yeah, and and the yeah, I mean, I'm sure the Knicks could use him, um, but if you're if you're JJ Redick at this point in your career, you're trying to win a championship, 
no shots against the Knicks, but the Nets is, are, is where you're going to want to be. Um, but yeah, so I, I mean, I think JJ is going to come here and, but the Shama trade was just, I am surprised why DeAndre Jordan wasn't coupled with one of those first round picks. And so we saw, we saw a late night trade. The Derek favors was sent away from the Utah jazz to the That's Oklahoma city thunder for, for a future first. Now, Derek favors is a better player than DeAndre Jordan is at this point in their career. But and I think probably a much better player. But it all it it, it just it took a, for a future first to do it, and I think they have about the same salary. Um, the Nets probably at least would have given up a future first, if not like a second round pick, or if you have to couple both. I mean that would have been that would have been tough. Um, the reason why it is interesting is because if you remove DeAndre Jordan's ten million dollar a year salary and you don't bring anything back of of consequence. It does offer up to Josiah and saying, hey, we're saving you $10 million. We should not use it for Spencer Dinwiddie because I think Spencer's gone. Like, whatever Bruce Brown gets, like, we can match. But we brought up Javon Carter. I think he's basically, I think he's Bruce Brown insurance. Uh, yeah, you took the phrase right from me. Look at us in sync today. I know, man. I mean, and, and if anything, he's not as versatile as Bruce. But he's a better shooter by far, yes. I think, right? What do you know about Carter? Tell people, give people the Carter breakdown. Yeah, you know, I, when I covered Missouri, they played West Virginia a couple times. Um, he he's he was kind of the uh, the straw that stirs the drink for their defense. You know, press Virginia forcing a lot of turnovers. You know, he's in your face. He he's a, a capable floor general. You know, as you said, I don't, is he the a point guard capable? The the level of Spencer Dinwiddie. Or, you know, even even just in terms of running an offense like Chris Chioza at the NBA level, like maybe not. But that's not really what you need him to be anyway when you have, you know, the big three and some of these other guys. But he, uh, as you said, he's he doesn't take as many threes as a guy like Landry Shaman Joe Harris, but he shot 38% from three in his three-year career. So when he does get a look, it, it, it's got a decent shot of going in. And uh, he's a big physical guy. You know, he's built like a football player. So he... Uh, it's funny we're talking about Bruce Brown insurance, and Bruce Brown was obviously a standout football player. But um, so as you said, you know, is he a guy that's going to be the? Could you throw him into the short role if Bruce Brown leaves? Uh, potentially, yeah. But I, I think even just defensively, I mean, it gives them another guy to throw off the bench and and get you stops again. You know, he's he's a size upgrade from Mike James or Chris Chioza too. Which uh, you know, both those guys are free agents. I kind of wonder if that speaks to anything about them coming back and. Uh, and again, you know, he he's battle tested. Obviously, Phoenix was just in the finals, so you do get a guy that's got some extensive playoff experience early in his career and has played in some big games. Yeah, and so John Hollinger, who now works with our company, but he used to uh, be the personnel guy at the Grizzlies. He says that like Carter's a, like the, he, they drafted Javon Carter. Yes. He said Carter's a guy who's just in the gym all the time, which is very Bruce Brownie. Um, he and, and to me, he's like. Pat that sounds Beverly like a Barclays-centered dessert option, the Bruce, Bruce Brownie. Brownie. Yeah. And by the way, I think the, the UK Nets fan account tweeted this out, but now there is a Carter Nets jersey that people can buy that isn't Sean Carter. Uh, it is... Or Vince or, Carter. Or Vince Carter. It's an, another exciting Carter jersey that you could buy and walk around in. A discount Carter, if you will. Um, no, I like... I think it's... Marks is very smart. Like, he targeted in a way getting Carter like I think he 
he saw he did it with Bruce Brown. He did it with Landry Shaman. It didn't really work out. And well, it worked out well enough. But he targeted Carter. Um, and he's going to look really nice in the bench um, playing the second unit next to James Harden, where just a shooter, a guy who can who can at least dribble the ball down the court should then pass it to James Harden so that James Harden can do what he has to do. Uh, there's a lot, but but everyone's like yelling, like you guys didn't talk about any of the draft prospects. So here's what we're going to do. We take a quick break, coming right back. We're going to talk about all five of the Nets prospects. We'll go speed round. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. And we're back. Look at that. How great was that? It was a great commercial break. All right. Um, let's talk about the actual guys that the Nets drafted, all five of them. Um, now I'm going to, I'm going to start it out this way. And I think it's probably like maybe an obvious answer. We could, t I'm going to talk about each of them individually, but just initially, who's the most interesting guy to you? It doesn't have to be the best or the guy who's going to contribute the most. Who's the, who's of the five that as you're reading about them, digging into them, you're like, you know, this guy's actually, there's something there that could be interesting for the team this year. I, I have, I have a two way tie between Kessler Edwards and Cam Thomas. Ooh. Anything? Well, tell me why. Why? Why? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I don't know if you had a follow up there. I don't know if you had a follow up there. The first time we're at a sync today. You know, Cam Thomas, Sorry. I mean. I was drinking, in full honesty, if people watching the YouTube, because. I was drinking something as he said that. So, like, I was like, oh my God, I better, I better. Yeah, I should have read your mind there and figured that, that you were wanting me to, yeah, you wanted more from your, your beverage there. And <laughs> so I it's my to, fault. I need to melt the clock host. a little more. Yeah. Sorry. You know, Cam Thomas, I, um, I think two things, you know, obviously this is about the now, the Nets are in win now mode, but coming out of the draft, I mean, this guy's the all-time leading scorer at Oak Hill Academy in, in Mouth of Wilson, Virginia, which is a factory. I mean, they've had a million NBA picks. Kevin Durant played there a year, Carmelo Anthony, Michael Beasley, like, think about that. I mean, you think of all the scores they've had in their history, and this guy's the all-time leading scorer. I, as I said, it's, it's about the now, but you think about this as, you know, what the Nets are going to look like after the Big Three era. Here's a kid that's 19. He averaged 23 points a game in college in the SEC as, an, as a 19-year-old and is about to get an education in scoring from three of the best in the history of the game. You know, my my first gut reaction outside of like this, you know, I, I put this in my story, which 
I'm working on as we record and will be on the athletic later today. Shameless plug. Um, you know, adding him to this historically good Nets offense is like putting like a rocket booster on a Ferrari, right? Yeah. I mean, like he's just even more offense that they can they can hit you with. But I also think about him as like, is he a guy whenever this ends, whether that's in one year, two year, three or five, whatever, is he the guy that gets the keys to the car whenever, you know, they all walk into the sunset together, hypothetically, and, and they're the ones saying to him, like, all right, it's your time now. Because, you know, talking to people about him, he he can they think he can easily average twenty over 20 points a game in an NBA season pretty soon. Whether maybe that's not this year, especially with the personnel, but you know, year two, three down the line, and he's a guy that can take away the uh, take some of the scoring burden off these guys as he gets older and they get older. So he's the most interesting one to me. I'm also kind of curious. And I, I asked him this post game press conference. And he didn't he just kind of said, you know, Hooper's hoop man. You know, we'll figure it out. But like I said to him, you know, you've been the uh, I was the only me and uh, and Nets Daily's Chris Mahone were the only reporters in the press conference and the in person press conference uh, last night. You know, I said to him, I said, you know, you've been the guy, the go-to scorer, the spark plug your entire life, and now you're going to a team where you are at best going to be the fifth option on the floor behind the big three and Joe Harris, and, you know, we'll see how he adjusts with his game, and and maybe, you know, the, the number five is is a bit optimistic in a lot of ways, too. It's a 19-year-old kid. Um, You know, do you do you think about that at all? And he's like, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out, you know we're all basketball players. We understand what's at stake here. Like I, I get your question, but we'll figure it out. So um, th- those are the reasons why he intrigues me. And also, you know, again, the, the scoring, just, but, you know, I had a scout text me on the game. He's like, you know, during the game, during the draft, I said, you know, what do you think of the fit? He goes instant offense, um, you know, again, like pouring gasoline on their gigantic offensive fire, but he wouldn't stun me as a guy that, you know, maybe, drives to the basket instead of kicking out to James Harden for getting his own shot sometimes. So that's going to be the interesting part of the adjustment process is, is he able to, you know, is that even a thing or does he understand like, Oh no, I am fifth in line right now to get a shot. Here's the ball, Joe. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'll, and we'll get to Kessler Edwards in a sec. My thing. So Cam Thomas was exciting. He was one of the guys I really liked. I value production. <laughs> I, I like guys who actually do well uh in in college and play basketball well um he is uh when you watch the highlights it really is like there's like the step inside the three-point line fall away jumper like those type of shots that you just don't see guys take unless if they are kevin durant um like you you want to eliminate all those i mean the thing with cam thomas is like so i've always kind of advocated for i think most nba teams should strive to have someone like cam thomas near the end of their bench which is someone that if they really need to and they get desperate like if there's injuries or in regular season there's like you have guys who are just sitting out games someone who can get like 15 points on a random night and he seems like that type of player i he is a future pick in what you were saying like i don't i can't imagine he's gonna get a bunch of run this year like he like unless if his catch and shoot threes which i think he hit like 40 percent in college on catch and shoot threes but I, i'm gonna guess that a lot of them really he didn't probably didn't take a ton of catch and shoot he, he seemed to be a lot of a like a, a pull-up maestro um i just don't think he's gonna play a ton particularly with the big three like i think there may be nights where yeah. we're gonna get like he's a, a healthy dose they, of cam thomas yeah i don't know like, mike james like you referenced my like the way mike james randomly played 
25 minutes or whatever in the playoffs that one yeah game. Well, my, my two comments to that, I mean, one, the Nets just went through a season where they had 27 different players suit up for them. So, like, I think if last season showed us anything is, don't you know, um, one guy went after me on Twitter the other day, uh, last night, he's like, none of these guys are going to play. It's like, dude, you remember Andre Roberson suiting up for the Nets this year? Like, there, like right. there was a ton of dudes that got run that Iman Sh- Shumpert played this year. You know, um, you know, if there's anything last season taught us, it's never – never count a guy's minutes out because you know i look like a fool doing that this year all the time so yeah i agree with you you know i think and marks takes these guys the reason why he took five draft picks is because you know didn't he say last night that they're not top eight rotation like he doesn't have in his mind that these guys are going to be in the top eight in the rotation but he they they're gonna play like the nba season like they are gonna play there's gonna be moments And, and Again, assuming the Nets are fully healthy for a while, they will have, or, or the whole season, I mean, there will be games where there's just an atomic blowout against a tanking team, and you can empty the bench and get those guys some run. I I think in the world of load management, the, the ceiling for Cam Thomas this season is you adjust to scoring very quickly, and on nights or situations where we want to rest all three guys, you could be the one. Again, we'll see what the rest of the roster looks like because there, there is a lot of open spots, but we're going to give you the ball and you're going to keep the offense afloat while those guys rest essentially. Yeah. The, the, really the best out, one of the best outcomes for Cam Thomas, and we'll move on to some of the other guys right after this, but is like, it is to pop enough that he becomes interesting in trades. Like, yeah, you would be great if he was like with the nets for 15 years and he was the next James Harden. And like, he was an amazing scorer. James Harden is his favorite player, by the way. Fun fact. He said that last night. Yeah, and that's kind of obvious when you watch him play, right? Like that's he's doing a lot. He's trying to do a lot of that, and and is successful. But like in the way that Nick Claxton popped, and Nick Claxton is now someone that if you're in another team and the Nets are calling you about a trade, you're interested in Nick Claxton. I think the same thing. Not maybe I don't think that's Marx's motivation, but I do think that's part of the equation where it's like. Cam Thomas is probably going to produce. Like, if he was on a bad team, like if he was on Houston, and maybe he was in, I know the Jalen Green, Cam Thomas backcourt would be kind of bonkers. But, like, if he was just on a bad team, I think he would he would average, like, 12, 13 points this season, you know, per, per game. And, like, everyone would be like, Cam Thomas, like, that's a pro. That's a Jordan Clarkson approximate, right? Yeah. I think with the Nets, he's just not going to get that. But, like, there, I do think there's going to be times this season where they'll be like, Hey, Kim Thomas is getting 20 minutes a game and he he's balling, you know? Yeah. Um, real quick. So you mentioned Kels, uh, Kessler Edwards. Um, the only reason why I knew about him, I think Zach Harper was big on him. Zach Harper has beat the Kessler Edwards drum harder than Dave Grohl during his Nirvana days. <laughs> um, quality drummer reference. Um, Pepperdine is always been a hilarious university to me partly there's an snl sketch way before your time about ucla and pepperdine i can't even really explain it it's not worth anyone's time i gotta look that up it's steve buscemi i remember pepperdine as the school that zoe 101 the show that on nickelodeon starred jamie lynn spears britney's younger sister um now now that's the generational gap that we're talking about yeah Yeah, let me just say this though it, Mike, if you were a basketball coach and you called me today and said, hey, I just got the head coach of Pepperdine. Do you want to be A, an assistant, B, um, video coordinator, whatever the job is that I can provide for my family, yes. which I, you know, I am on the next plane 
<laughs> to Malibu. Heck with my job. Heck with my benefits. I mean, that place is just like, I don't know what Kessler, I mean, Kessler was at Pepperdine for three years. Like, I, I think he just deserves like a round of applause for like lasting that long and, and you know, getting grades and everything. Like, I, I would never have gone to class at Pepperdine. Like, that place <laughs> is just like, it's like a postcard everywhere you turn. So, um, well, you, you went to Mizzou, which is like the Pepperdine of the Ozarks, right? I mean, that's, uh, isn't that the same? That, don't a, people, that, don't that, people all say Mizzou is the Pepperdine of the Ozarks? Is that not the same? It's the Pepperdine of mid Missouri, but it, that, that, <laughs> it, it's not which a one to one. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what the Ozarks are. I, I have a Netflix account and that shows. Yeah, exists. yeah, yeah. That, that show, people, that show's yeah. not a great representation. It's a great show, <laughs> but it's just not a great representation. Anyway, um, let's talk about Kessler Edwards, the player. Yes. So Kessler Three Edwards, the player. Guy. I, I, he's six eight. He seems pr- like a pretty good defender from what I've read and and asked around. You know, he's very switchable on the perimeter, as you said. You know, he he's a good three point shooter. I think it was, I forget if it was this season or for his career, he's thirty eight percent, and. He also, but that that's not the limit to his offensive game, right? Is that you know he he has a decent pull up game. It seems like he he can also get to the rim a little bit. So, you know he he's interested in me because I feel like that he can he can help the Nets in a lot of different ways. You know he's to me I feel like him and Cam Thomas, who we just talked about, have the best chance to be on the roster and getting playing time of some significance this season because he he's a bit of a Swiss Army knife. Just in that, well, they can use some help on the perimeter with defense. You know. They can always use more shooting and he also, but he's not a one dimensional scorer. And that, as you said, his catch and three numbers, his catch and shoot three numbers might not be the end all be uh, be all for his playing time. The way it might be another guy trying to another young guy trying to crack into this team. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, Kessler 39.5% from three on nearly 400 three point attempts over his career at Pepperdine. So that's high volume. Like you'll find guys like Kai Jones, I think is a 38% three point shooter last year. And he shot the ball like 40 times from three or whatever. Like there's, you have to always look at how many attempts that these college three point shooters actually take. Cause often it is a minuscule number. And then we see that we see the percentage. We're like, Oh, well let's just extrapolate that out further. Kessler Edwards and another guy who, uh, Marcus Zagorowski, is that how yes. we're, uh, Mar- Mar- related to a well, guy. Younger n- brother of Michael Carter Williams. Near and dear to my heart. Um, both of them are high volume, deep shooters. Um, both have defined roles. And I think if you're going to have anything out of these five picks, all these guys, and Cam Thomas could be better than this, but all of them seem to have a defined role already, right? Like Cam Thomas, microwave scorer. Dayron Sharp is rebounding big with maybe a little craft, you know, passing-wise down low. Kessler Edwards, Marcus Zigarowski, three-point shooters, like really high-quality three-point shooters. And Raekwon Gray is, I mean, did you watch Raekwon's highlights at all? I admittedly seen didn't how he plays basketball? 59th. I was I, um. Literally, they announced his name, and Sean Mark was hopping onto the Zoom, so I didn't have time. He's the guy I did the least amount of homework on, admittedly. Okay, so you Brian can take and I the, talked yeah, about you him. Take the reins here, yeah. Brian and I are uh, obsessed with beefy centers, and Dayron Sharp is one of those beefy centers that the Nets could have had. And then Raekwon Gray is literally the beefiest of beefs that you could get. He is like when you go to Outback Steakhouse and you get the twenty-three ounce porterhouse. Like, I mean, he's. He's 6'8", 270. 
Okay, and the thing what everyone's saying about him is, and I feel bad. I, you know, I'm a former fat kid who's now transitioning into a fat adult. He is 17% body fat. Good. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's the beard. Um, 70 17% body fat, which for a high-level athlete is uh, a, quite a big mark. Yeah. Um, some guys I are- remember, I can't even think of the second highest number I've heard compared to that, honestly. But when you watch him play basketball, so when you hear that 6'8", 270, you think, oh, he's just going to be like one of those like big college centers who's like in the post- Sort of those guys you see every March Madness from like Wyoming and Utah State who are like these just big burly dudes who like old fashioned sort of the way that like Luca Garza without a three plays, you know, it's like post guys. Raekwon Gray is like slashing to the hole with the ball in his hands. This is a great stat from this was from Sam Vecini's write up about him. Uh, Raekwon Gray generated nearly four shots at the rim in half-court settings, which is 64% clip, and he also loves floaters. He took one floater per game, which is very like Bruce Brown again. Floaters, we love floaters. And when you watch him, there's the ACC network has like a highlight package of him. Honestly, like his highlights are him taking the ball at the top of the key and driving to the hoop at 6'8", 270. Um, (laughs) So... How does he translate to the NBA? Well, like the easy thing is to be like, hey, he's Draymond Green, right? Like, hey, he's kind of not that tall and he's wide and he has some skill. He's Draymond Green. I don't I mean he's not that. His wingspan is 6'11. So it's not like, you know, he's tall, his wingspan is taller than him, but it's not like upset, it's not seven foot four, right? Mm-hmm. Which is like Draymond's. Um, but there's like I don't know. I, I would urge everyone to just watch his highlights and be like, you're going to see an unexpected sort of dynamo <laughs> offensively. And he is huge. He's not like, and when you see him, he's not like uh, Tubby. He's like a big, he's just like a big overall dude who really should be playing football, to be honest. Uh, and probably a thousand people have said to him, hey, you should play football because uh, you are the perfect size for uh, you know, a blocking tight end. And if you add even more weight, which would probably be a nice thing to hear, he could be a offensive tackle. I mean, I, so, okay. I'm obsessed with him, but I can't say that he is, uh, he's a guy that's going to contribute this year. I just think there's a lot of interesting metrics on him. When you look at the amount of shots that he does create at the rim, his slashing game, the fact that he was like kind of, like he was on the team with Scotty Barnes and Florida State always has like a lot of talent, at least from the wing. And Raekwon Gray, like at least production wise, was a little better than Scotty Barnes. Um, you know, it's an interesting stat to kind of play off your point. I forget yeah. who had it last night, but Leonard Hamilton is fourth. Uh, Florida State and Leonard Hamilton are fourth among um, active college programs in like the last five years at putting pros in the, you know, with draft pick selections or whatever. Yeah. I, I, I would assume Kentucky and Duke are probably one too because they usually have been. I I, I could have that wrong. Um, so that was one of those things that kind of came up early when Scotty Barnes went, and then I went back to mining the phones to see if what the Nets were doing. But long story short, there's a good track record there of, of Florida State guys sticking in the NBA in recent years and and uh, doing something. Yeah, as you guys know, I don't. I think you can make a case for every single guy as to why they should or shouldn't get a spot on the roster and kind of see what they can do. You know, I don't expect all five by any means on there, but 
as you said, you know, Dayron Sharp, you know, his rebounding seems like it can help. And then um, he's one of know, the I, statistically one of the best rebounders in college basketball, like percentage wise and all that. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. And, and everyone lauded his passing to me. Everyone said, you know, this guy can really pass. And to me, what makes it interesting is just that this Nets offense was at its best last season when they were really moving the ball. And, you know, Nick Claxton is obviously a good player. DeAndre Jordan, we've seen what he can do, but I don't think the Nets have had a great passing big man in a while i'm trying to think of who would be that guy and i'm not saying this guy's going to come in and be like nikola Jokic, but um but i i think offensively <laughs> well, like the, the got, snide answer is kevin durant you know but i know he's not a big man yeah yeah but yeah. um but he blotch, seems like a guy blotch, that they could, could, blotch could throw some dimes i don't know <laughs> We're really stretching. You remember, here. he could, he could, he could string it. He, he thought he was a good passing big man, Andre Blotch, but he uh, really wasn't. Um, but yes, yeah. I understand what you're saying. But yeah, so he, he's a guy that, and the other thing is with him is that, like, you wonder if he gets a two way contract between Claxton, um, as you, you know, again, like between Claxton, Perry, uh, Alize. I mean, there's a lot of bigs on this roster now. Yeah. You know, can't I, can't forget Alize. I'm in love. So yeah, and and with. With Dayron, I mean, I, I said to someone, obviously DeAndre's been thrown into trade talks. You know, we'll see what his long-term future is. Does, you know, is he the $10 million center off the bench that plays sparingly this year? You know, who knows? Um, clearly, there's it's a tough getting a good trade for him because I feel like Sean would have pulled the trigger if there was something. Obviously, Nick well, kind of speaks for himself. I just want to – we don't know – we actually don't know if Sean Marks has the green light to trade DeAndre Jordan. Yes. We, yeah, that, that's a good the, point. And who's controlling the light? Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, not yeah. James J. But, like, they may actually be saying to Sean, like, even though we know DeAndre doesn't play basketball for us, <laughs> like, we still, we want still him like yeah. him, and he likes to be here. Maybe he likes to, yeah. he likes to not play basketball and get paid $10 million a year. Yeah, so I, but so Sharp still gives them a uh, a long term option there, right? I mean, DeAndre yeah. has two is has two years left on his deal. Nick is going to be a free agent this year, barring an extension being reached. So I think he's almost just like an insurance policy in a sense, in case things go awry. I, I feel like he might have a better shot at being a two way guy or, or something like that, just because. Well, it was, um, it, his name was linked to the Nets more than any. He was linked consistently for him weeks. and Zaire William, uh, the Stanford kid, I feel like were the yeah. two that you saw the most in the mock drafts. Yes. Yeah. And, and Dayron, And so like, that is super interesting. My, this isn't true, but this is a bit. Okay. My theory is Sean Marks is so playing 5d chess. Who did Dayron Sharp play high school basketball with? Cade Cunningham. Of, yeah. Cade Moses Cunningham. Moody. And one more guy, right? Scotty Kevin Barnes. Boyle at Montverde, Kyrie's coach. Yeah. Yeah. So he, Sean Marks is already planning for the next big three to come in. He's going to make Dayron Sharp feel like the most important person in the world. Dayron's going to hit up his buddies, Scotty Barnes, Cade Cunningham, and Moses Moody and say, hey, let's recreate the Montverde. By the way, why is it, Mont, why is it not Montverde or Montverde? I don't know. Also, uh, Met shortstop Francisco Lindor, another Montverde alum. So you're saying they're all going to go on a yacht in Rio? Yeah, and and in 2028, 20, Cade, Moses Moody, Dayron Sharp, and Scotty Barnes are going to be playing for the Brooklyn Nets after James Harden, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving had just won five straight championships. So it's gonna it's gonna be a nice passing of the torch. It's very smart. Marks is very he's ahead of the game. 
Do you do you agree with he, this theory? He, do you, he's do you playing, 100% agree? Sean, Sean Marks is playing 5D chess while the rest of us are playing checkers. That's your yes. summary. Yes, that's that's I think is 100% what's happening. Um, no, but uh, my, one final point because I've held you for well, let's do a quick. I'll just do a quick Marcus Zagorowski thing. Real, just just everyone. I don't. I rarely watch Creighton play, um, but he shot over 40% from three in all of his three years in college. He seems very Bryn Forbesy, Landry Shamit to me. So that I mean, I don't know if he's going to be that great, uh, but but he profiles us that way, meaning like he's kind of small, but not that small. He's a great shooter. He's forty five percent off the catch from three, which is elite, elite, elite. Um, it, apparently, he doesn't. Really, he's just not that strong of a, like an actual player. So I don't know. He's the fit. What was he? The fifty fourth pick or whatever he was. What What do you expect? Um, one so one final thing to wrap it up. Uh, the Nets are going to have the most one of the most exciting uh, summer league teams. I'm pumped for summer league to see all these guys out on the court. Nick Claxton is he going to be there? Uh, I had heard the other day that it's not a slam dunk that he plays summer league. It's not. I know people have been reporting he's going to yeah. play, but I don't think he's officially committed. Probably don't need him. You know, like I mean, look at all the bigs though. You have four games like. How many of the Alizé's playing Reggie Perry? Like, how many of these guys can you reasonably play and I mean, have them get meaningful Sharp run? Sharp is a big, and and Raekwon Gray is if you again if you watch him, he's more of a wing. Yeah, which is kind of incredible. But um, yeah, so you don't really need Nick Claxton. Let's let's preserve Nick Claxton's knee. Um, so they're one of the most exciting summer league teams. And the one final point. So why, if you're guessing, why did the Nets draft five players when they have you know, such a strong roster up top with the big three and Joe Harris. Um, and John Hollinger had this in his piece about, I forget what trade it would have been. It, was a, it wasn't a Nets trade, but it had something to do with the team, uh, like, a, like a high payroll team getting a second round pick. The second round pick salaries can be cheaper than veteran minimum salaries. And every mm-hmm. dollar counts because the, next, the Nets are above the luxury tax. So, while it seems kind of uh, unlikely that the Nets' three second-round picks and two first-round picks are all going to be on the roster, if you are looking for cheap ways to build out your roster and controllable ways, draft the guys. And and that's what Marks did. Um, and so he's he's probably saving Joe Sy if all five stay on the roster, which, again, is unlikely. He's probably saving millions of dollars by doing so. Yeah, I I took Sean's comments last night because he kept talking about, you know, we'll see what these guys can do in Summer League. You know, free agency starts on Monday. I'm sure there's going to be a Nets Glue Guys podcast free agency extravaganza I'm not invited to. It's okay. Um, But uh, I think that, you know, as we've talked about, they have limited options to sign guys. It's a mid-level exception. It's it's for guys like Bruce Brown and Spencer Dinwiddie. They're full bird rights. And, uh, and. Then most everyone else is either the taxpayer MLE or uh, or the veteran minimum. They don't know what's going to be out there. Obviously, he's facing a you know a John Holland. Since this is like the John Hollinger appreciation podcast, all we're doing is like uh, pointing out his stuff. But um, uh, not that I don't like John Fellow, except Jersey for Native. Virginia is a terrible university. So just wanna- so um, he he's coming to our door tonight with pitchforks thanks to that. But um, <laughs> you know, be, he said that. There's a lot of GMs that would be envious of Sean Mark's position right now, but it's still a very difficult one to build a championship roster with all this. 
And and I think part of his rationale is we're going to get all these guys and we're going to see how free agency goes and we're going to see how summer league goes and then we'll start to see, you know, where to place who and who to keep, you know, maybe who's a Long Island guy versus a Brooklyn guy who just can go overseas and we'll call you if we need you. You know, um, I, I think that there's a lot, as you said, that outside of the money, there's still a lot that needs to be sorted out. And that's why maybe having the most options is the best option. Well, let's end it there. That Alex, I know you have to write another story, which will be on The Athletic, as you said. Everyone should be reading Alex's story. You should subscribe. Tell your parents to subscribe. Tell your friends to subscribe to The Athletic. 50% off discount right now, and Mike's doing a great Brian impression. Yeah, and I would, I would, people should jump, people should jump in because those discounts don't always last and they may be fewer and farer between uh, going forward. Alex, thank you so much for being here. An exciting time for the Brooklyn Nets. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.